Welcome to the Retreat House Podcast. I'm your host, Angie Smith. I've invited a friend to the table to share their story. Come and join us. Welcome to the Retreat House Table. I am I I, I love networking and I love when I meet somebody and I get to connect them to somebody else. And that's where this episode is coming out of. I Someone else was actually introducing me to my guest. And as soon as I heard just a little bit of her story, I thought, I, I've got to see if she'll come on the podcast and, and tell the full story. So I haven't even heard it yet. I'm so excited. My guest today is Carly Kammerer. And she is one of the owners, founders of Gutterpunk Coffee. So welcome, Carly. Thank you. <laughs> well, I, you know... So my friend Kathy started talking about you and just gave me a little snippet of what you're doing. And I'm so excited to hear the whole story. So why don't, why don't you give us where, it, well, where, what would work better, where it came from or what your background is? Because it seems like it kind of came out of your, your background. Yeah. It's kind of all together. Yeah. So I can just start with. Yeah, start at yeah. the beginning. <laughs> um, so Gatterfront Coffee probably started probably when I was in seventh grade, my parents actually ended up working with our church to start a coffee shop. So they got all the equipment. My dad built it. My mom ran it. So I was in there with them mm-hmm. um, working from middle school on. So I started in coffee early and um, I love working with coffee. It's fun. I like being in the coffee shop community, but I never really saw it as having a higher purpose mm-hmm. other than being a tasty beverage that kept me awake I really my love for it started to grow but where I really like started to see kind of the power of of coffee um was actually my mom passed away when I was 19 and Mm. at her funeral hundreds of people's stories just revolved around the coffee shop Mm. and connections they'd made and ways that they'd felt um, loved or just involved in the community and just like all this positive stuff was coming out of that And I really just remember it really struck me that, like, okay, an ordinary thing kind of had this higher purpose of bringing people together and and creating community and belonging for people. Mm -hmm. So I think that really kind of started my thinking towards, hey, coffee and a coffee house could be something more than just a business. Mm -hmm. I got into college. I ended up picking social work as my major. Um, And I kind of fell into working with uh, people experiencing homelessness by just starting to volunteer at a local homeless shelter and then noticed some significant gaps in services to youth and kind of always gotten along better with youth. Um, So I just approached the staff to see if if they had any ideas and they kind of put it back on me to, Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) they're like, yeah, go make some programming, involve youth more, get, get some of the homeless youth involved. So that is basically how I got into the the world of youth homelessness. Okay. Um, what, what made you become a social worker? Um, honestly, we, so when my mom was sick, she was in hospice and okay. we had a social worker assigned to us through hospice. Mm-hmm. And up until that point, my idea of what social work was, was people who came and took kids away from oh. families, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, which is not true. Mm-hmm. And so I, People had, rec- they had said before, like, why wouldn't you be in social work? Because I'd always just been very, like, I want to be in a field that helps people. Mm-hmm. Um, but my 
idea of it was just so negative. Um, so talking to her, I was like, oh, you're in social work, but you're not doing child protection services. Right. Um, and so she really was just helped me, you know, she told me all the stuff you could do with it and just the different paths. And um, I just, it kind of clicked that that made the most sense for me. Mm-hmm. I'd been pursuing an English degree and was already starting to feel like I don't know why I'm doing this mm-hmm. really <laughs> um yeah I was just like all right I like reading and writing but I don't need to sit in class mm-hmm. I just do that for the rest of my life so yeah just conversations with her and seeing all the things that I could do with that degree yeah I get that I when I was it. in college I started out as a ministry major and I had become a Christian shortly before that so that I was mm-hmm. supposed to be a missionary right, so right. I was going to be a missionary and then I took a communications class and it was like everything fell into place mm-hmm. oh this is where I'm supposed to be yeah so a little like that yeah I think for me I also was pursuing English with the intent to possibly go abroad and like teach English because I think there's a lot of focus sometimes on going overseas mm-hmm. and right. you feel like that's what you should do but mm-hmm. I think just also through my time working at the homeless shelter I was like well there's a lot going on yeah, in my own backyard. Here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and I just really kind of fell in love with that population. So so yeah. then you're working as a social worker, yep. and they're saying, why don't you do something if you see a need? Yes. Yep, they kind of pushed me into <laughs> into that, um, So, which fit, fit me well because I've always been kind of a visionary, and I just love starting things. Mm-hmm. So I did that all throughout college, and I ended up taking an internship in Denver after I graduated with a street outreach organization called Dry Bones Mm -hmm. um, that was attached to a coffee shop called Purple Door Coffee that existed to employ youth who were homeless. And I was just really excited about them asking me to help at the coffee shop because that was something I'd been starting to think about doing. And so Mm -hmm. to get to intern at a place that was already doing it was really um, eye-opening. It was affirming that I knew I would want to do that. It just helped me like learn kind of the ins and outs of doing Something like business. that. Right. It's a business. Um, it's, a, it's a yeah business. I mean, it, running a business needs, right. with a mission. Right. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, this this idea, I guess, kind of was percolating in me in college of just like, could I put coffee together with with my passion for youth who are homeless? And so I interned at Purple Door and then I moved to Minnesota, um, to Minneapolis. And I have worked for the last four years as a case manager and street outreach worker with youth who are homeless through a nonprofit. Okay. And really one of the biggest things I saw was just youth who lacked employment skills. And it's not that they don't want to be employed. They're hard workers. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just like we don't know what we don't know. And so if no one has ever mm-hmm. taught them basic employment skills, they're just not going to have that. And so I saw a lot of youth cycling through jobs. They're really good at getting them, but they're not great at retaining them. Okay. So I saw just kind of a gap in services of training training youth Mm -hmm. um and I really see employment and housing go hand in hand but I see employment as a huge sustainability piece Mm -hmm. um because youth aren't going to get or keep housing if they can't get or keep employment right so which is difficult to find affordable housing yeah there's a huge affordable housing crisis right now Mm -hmm. um and it's even harder when you're a youth. I mean, there's just more barriers that come with that. You don't have a rental history. You don't have a credit score or, like, a huge background of, of employment to go off of. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're a, a landlord, you know, is it like, do I take a chance on this 18-year-old kid? Right. I mean, if you're under 18, forget 
forget it. You're not going to get an apartment at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think youth that are homeless in specific are a little bit of a forgotten or invisible population. I mean, obviously we see the homelessness that adults experience just because we see them a lot on the streets and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then kids tend to be with their parents but when you get to kind of the teenage years a lot of those youth break away from their families either because their families just can't afford to, ha- to keep them or they're just like I can do my own thing better mm-hmm. so it's just like we have this little forgotten group of youth who are living on the streets and they tend to be a lot more invisible than other populations which, which is heartbreaking because when you're a teenager you f- even if even if you're not homeless you would you could feel that way anyway mm-hmm. and then to add the instability of Mm -hmm. homelessness to that, that's heartbreaking. Yeah. It's it's sad. (laughs) (laughs) So then when, when did gutter punk coffee start to take shape? Because you have a, you partnered with someone. Yeah. This dream had been like a little dormant for me. I think for the first years of me living in uh, Minnesota, just because I knew I would need someone who was, more on the business side of things because mm-hmm. that's just not my forte so I met my business partner Ben in February of February of 2016 and we actually had gone to college together uh in Wisconsin but we didn't know we had never met each other in college oh funny um but we had mutual friends mm-hmm. and he moved into my neighborhood and was new to the neighborhood and we were having a party at my house and my roommate it's like, oh, this guy from Eau Claire moved into the neighborhood and he, you know, is new. We should invite him so he can make some friends. And mm-hmm. we're like, yeah, sure. So he came and overheard me talking to someone because I had been feeling this kind of sense of revival around the stream of like, I really do want to make this happen. So I just on my own been taking some steps. Like I had written a really, really awful business plan that I would never <laughs> show to anyone. But just things like that where I was starting They're to be hard like. hard and intimidating. Yeah. I, <laughs> it was like. Before Retreat House was so a podcast. Bad. It was, I was actually looking for a property okay. to be a retreat space. Okay. And so, yeah, to try to figure out, I am not a business background. I don't have no, a business background either. No. And it can feel really daunting. Yeah. And I mean, it was good to get things going, but I would never show it to anyone now. Mm-hmm. So I had been taking steps. And so I was just talking about it with a friend and he overheard and his background is finance. And he also had started roasting coffee in college, kind of just... Oh, okay he enjoyed the craft of it and he had like similar feelings as I do about coffee just used it to bring community and people together so he just had gotten really into to coffee methods and coffee roasting so he overheard me talking about it introduced himself wanted to to follow up with me about it so we met um, after that and had some conversations about just what what I was envisioning and what his dreams were because he had also been wanting to do a social enterprise of some some sort okay. um kind of just kept talking and it just sort of naturally became like yeah let's do this and we work well together we complement each other's strengths and weaknesses really well and mm-hmm. it definitely wouldn't be at this point if it weren't for a lot of his expertise and what he brought to the table so and um, what's so great is that these things that these two things that seem could be could seem unconnected a love for coffee and a heart for youth mm-hmm. that you found someone else who had also had a heart for coffee yes. with a business, yeah. a business background and wanting to do some kind of social impact mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. It was really like 
okay, this is the person I've been mm-hmm. hoping would come along. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, we started uh, working at it and a new business plan. Yep, new business plan. <laughs> um, I think at the time it was like, it's like we're gonna get a coffee shop by the end of this year, and that mm-hmm. didn't happen, obviously. But we ended up, we were advised by someone to try and get into farmers markets and just start with like a coffee cart. Mm-hmm. And so we launched that um, last summer now. So so explain, I was telling my 13-year-old son that you were coming on, and I mm-hmm. said they have a coffee cart. And he said, what? And I said, a, a coffee cart. They serve coffee from a cart, mm-hmm. I think, is what it is. So <laughs> explain yeah. what that is. So cart might be a little misleading. Um, it doesn't have wheels. It doesn't roll. <laughs> but uh, it is actually Ben built the table. So it's like a collapsible table setup that we do okay um so i guess it's just like a mobile coffee bar oh, okay um so we set it up at farmers markets weddings galas corporate events okay and do hot brewed coffee and then cold brew with it okay um so it's not like so espresso it's, it's no okay not at the markets so yeah it's just kind of like a mobile coffee setup okay and then you roast all your own beans mm-hmm yep ben does the roasting Okay. Um, and we rent roasting space in St. Paul right now. I mean, how did you yeah. even come, like, I didn't even know that that would exist, that you could rent roasting space. Yeah, so it, we have a really good partnership with another coffee roaster called Bootstrap Coffee. Okay. Um, and we approached them to see if they'd be willing to let us roast space. And mm-hmm. they said, yeah, and gave us kind of a discounted rate on what they're paying for rent and stuff. Yeah, we've had some really good support from other coffee companies in the twin cities which has been really awesome that is awesome um to see people working together us yep Mm -hmm. (laughs) um it's great because i mean the the temptation is sometimes to be competitive like Mm -hmm. oh you're roasting we're roasting we're all trying to get wholesale accounts but i do really believe we all do better when we all do better and so Mm -hmm. i think any way we can all support each other it's just better for everyone Mm -hmm. so so you started doing the table or the coffee cart at farmers markets mm-hmm. yep so we started doing that so this is kind of wrapping up our second season of farmer market farmers markets and um we are really working on getting more wholesale accounts so we're in a couple churches now who order our coffee and we're working on building that up and then getting into other restaurants and coffee shops that would buy our coffee and then we sell our uh coffee like for retail bags online as well so the the markets were a great way to start. It was never our end game. Mm-hmm. So we are kind of moving into a season of really working with our board to strategize how to get into a retail location. Mm-hmm. Just with with what we're trying to do with our youth, we need way more hours than the markets well, offer. Year round. Yep. We're in Minnesota. Yeah. So, yeah. so we get into like some winter markets, but it's just not... I mean, we want to be able to employ youth for, you know, 20, 32 hours a week mm-hmm. um, and really dive into some of the employment skills and the independent living skills that we want to be doing. Um, and we have struggled to do that at the markets. It's just not enough hours. And we're having to turn away youth who are applying just mm-hmm. because we don't have the capacity to bring them on and we don't even have the capacity to really give the youth we have more than five hours a week. Um, what kinds of jobs are they doing? What kind of yeah, training so are they Yeah, so they help us just at the markets. Okay. Um, and they do all the setup and tear down and customer service 
taking mm-hmm. orders, preparing drinks with us, okay. trying to get them to do social media for us. Mm-hmm. It's <laughs> not my strong suit. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we bring them on as just full on employees. It's not an internship or a fellowship. It's just like a paid employee employment mm-hmm. opportunity. And we chose to do that because I just think there's more power in being an employee than mm-hmm. an intern or any other thing you want to call it. Um, and it'll look better on, on their resumes. Mm-hmm. So that's important to us. So, yeah, they do kind of the employment training piece of the program is just really individualized and it's just kind of on the job training. So as things arise that need to be addressed, we just talk about it if we can on the spot or I have kind of employee check-ins weekly where we just discuss like what's going well, what do you need help with? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's just a lot of basic skills like being on time. And if you're not going to be on time, you need to call us. Don't just no show or, or text us, like call how to communicate with customers. And Those are such important life skills too. Mm-hmm. Like the difference between sending a text saying I'm going to be late versus yeah. calling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that's a, another reason why I think, choosing coffee as the vehicle to do all of this training is really great because they get a lot of skills that are so transferable because obviously not every youth is going to stay in coffee and that's fine but Mm -hmm. when they leave us they have a lot of those soft skills that employers are looking for Mm -hmm. um, that can go into any industry and be sustainable Mm -hmm. so yeah just a lot of work kind of to individualize like what are they struggling with what are they doing well at how can we help grow these skills so. so is Gutter Punk Coffee your company? Is mm-hmm. it a is it a five hundred one c three or is it a is it a business with a mission? Yeah. So we that was a very long debate that we we went it's through a, to get a tough to that. Decision yeah. To make. Um, we did eventually decide to go the nonprofit route. So we're actually a five hundred one c four. We're fiscally sponsored by Propel nonprofits. Oh, which okay. means people can donate to us as a nonprofit and get tax write-offs, and we mm-hmm. are a nonprofit. We just don't have our own 501c3 status, um, which is something we will be hopefully securing in the next year or two. Being fiscally sponsored is just a kind of quicker way to to do that and, like, a good way to start. Mm-hmm. Um, and they handle all the accounting and stuff, so that's just kind of a nice thing <laughs> as we get right. into figuring out how to do this and mm-hmm. all the stuff you need to learn about having a nonprofit. Yeah, we, we kind of thought maybe we could do it as a business, and we went back and forth on that a lot, um, mm-hmm. because I love the idea of of it being just a business, because I think I just want to continue. I, I like the, the model that it sets that a business isn't bad. I think mm-hmm. people view businesses as bad. And, and I think we're seeing in, a lot of businesses mm-hmm. that are, that operate like a nonprofit, that mm-hmm. operate mission-focused. Yeah. But are still a for-profit business. Yes. Because it's not bad to make a profit. Right. That's not a bad thing. Right. And it's also, but it is bad to make a profit at somebody else's expense, right. which I think is where the mission mm-hmm. piece of it. It's not all about the profit. Yeah. So we eventually just kind of came to the conclusion that with the population we were seeking to employ, there's just a ton more time and money that goes into training mm-hmm. and employee retainment. And sort of to supplement our potentially not making enough money from the shop, we became a nonprofit so we could fundraise and grant, right? Um, so, so if people 
do you have a website and do you have yep. monthly donors or yes, monthly supporters? Yes, people can donate online. Okay. Um, I'll put all yeah. that in the show notes. Perfect. <laughs> they can do, yeah, they could do monthly. They could do a lump sum. Um, we just had a, a couple who got married last month who registered for us, basically, for their registry. They just registered to have their guests donate money to us, and we made $6,000 from that. So Wow, that's that was huge. Really cool and unique. Yeah. Um, and awesome of them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so there's lots of fun ways people are supporting us. Um, we'll be launching, hopefully, within the next couple of months, kind of a formal Kickstarter kind of mm-hmm. fundraising. Um, I'm working with, you know, our marketing committee now on a formal fundraising plan. So is that yeah. to then get to the goal to get a brick and mortar mm-hmm. location? Yeah. Yeah, we're really working on having that sometime within the next six months. That's kind of what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Um, we just think it's it's really important to keep moving forward towards that because it's hard to be turning away youth who want to work and want you know and are living in shelters and want to get out of the system and want to be stably housed and independent. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. Well, and it seems like you're you've hit a needed niche. Mm-hmm. You've hit a real yeah. need. Yeah. I I love doing something that's so, like, tangible. Like, we're teaching mm-hmm. such practical, tangible skills. Because um, I just, yeah, I just see youth really caught up. And really anyone, once once they get kind of caught up in systems, it, it's hard to get out. And you're a little bit spinning your wheels. And just the matter of the fact is there's not enough resources for everyone. Mm-hmm. And I don't see that changing anytime soon. So... My goal is to really help help youth get to a place where they don't need resources because they don't want to be on wait lists for housing forever, and I don't want them to be on wait lists mm-hmm. for housing forever. So if we can work on ways that will get them to, to independence from systems quicker, that's absolutely what I want to be doing. So is that so. the dream? What is the dream with Gutter Punk Coffee? Yeah. Like if you had, and I know sometimes it's hard <laughs> to say it out loud <laughs> to speak what the dream is, but what would... What would the dream be? So our dream for the business side of it is to to grow into other cities. Like we want to start here, but we want a gutter punk St. Paul and we want one in Minneapolis and we want one in whatever other city like we can franchise. partner with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we. I think that there is kind of a new wave of, of social entrepreneurship happening where people are mm-hmm. starting to really care about nonprofits and what are we doing to become sustainable and what are we doing to help support ourselves and, mm-hmm. and what are our outcomes? And we're moving beyond like, well, it's a good cause. I'll just donate money. Mm-hmm. And I think we are striving for that by doing excellent coffee, doing specialty coffee and not just trying to kind of be like, well, people will buy our coffee because we're a good mission. Mm-hmm. But we don't really have a good product. Like an excellent product is really important to us. Which almost sounds like another skill that you're teaching right. your employees that... Don't just go halfway because yes. you know someone will help you do your best. Yeah. It's it's like a craft and it teaches attention to that. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, it's better for them too. We want them to leave Gutter Punk Coffee and we want people to be like, oh, that's a good place. Yes, mm-hmm. I want to hire you. Not like, oh, right. <laughs> it's all right, but okay. <laughs> um, so yeah, we want to grow Gutter Punk Coffee and we want to help other people replicate it or replicate similar ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, I think kind of being a leader in what businesses that do more can look like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is a huge dream of ours. 
And then as far as the youth programming piece, I mean, our dream is to really see youth who have the skills to thrive. I want to help them move past, you know, working at McDonald's or kind of like minimum wage jobs, like really have the, the capacity to look at what they like to do and what they're good at and then help them get there. And if that's in coffee, that's great. But if that's not, that's great too. But yeah, just really, really moving past being in survival mode. I mean, so mm-hmm. many youth that are on the streets have to be in survival mode to live and they don't have time to be dreaming about mm-hmm. college and whatever else a lot of other people have the privilege to dream about. So we kind of want to be a place where for nine to 12 months they are they're learning and they're growing and then they're also working to figure out what they want to do when they leave us. Mm-hmm. To have some of those immediate survival needs yeah. taken care of yep. so then you can turn and mm-hmm. dream mm-hmm. and thrive. Yeah. And just, I think one way we like to put put it is transferring skills because it's not Mm. that youth on the streets aren't skilled I mean they hustle harder than any of us Mm -hmm. and they're smart and they're good and so it's kind of like you know you think of like all right we have a youth who's dealing drugs can we transfer those skills because that's business skills I mean they're Mm -hmm. running a business it might not be legal yeah um sales but yeah can we can we get that you know moving them from that to like okay, could you do sales? Could you do business? Like, what are ways we could transfer these skills over mm-hmm. to gainful employment and sustainability um, instead of being caught up in the street? Because I don't want to say we're teaching them skills like they don't know anything, because mm-hmm. that's not true. Um, I had a guest recently on the podcast. Uh, they own a, or they run a nonprofit called Connected Families, mm-hmm. and they're parenting coaches for people. And their whole thing is a, a good, a gift gone awry that mm-hmm. even like, so with the model of parenting that it's not that your child is bad. There's some gift that come is coming out awry and calling out that gift. Mm-hmm. What made me think of it is he worked with Treehouse yeah, for a long time and he said he was, so he, that's where he was working. Then he was at Valley Fair one time, which is an amusement park in mm-hmm. Minnesota and he was in line behind these guys who were talking about cutting school and doing all these, quote, bad things. And he reflected to them, you know, look at all of these skills that you have. All, I mean, it does take a lot of skill and coordination mm-hmm. to cut out of school mm-hmm. and not get caught. And think if you could, like what you're saying, yeah. redirect those for something that's helpful. Helpful mm-hmm. to you, helpful to those around you. Yeah. Yeah. That's... Yeah, I really, a board member came up with kind of the idea of transferring, and I just really liked that because... Because mm-hmm. they do have skills, yeah. you're right. I think sometimes, you know, we look at homeless people in general, and, and it's just like, oh, we need to help them, or like, we need to, mm-hmm. you know... I mean, we see ourselves as just a place where we're, we're creating, we're kind of carving out jobs for people who aren't included in the workforce, mm-hmm. and usually not because of like an old their own shortcomings just because of systematic injustices um and being a place where we can help yeah transfer some of that over you know we're not like saving them or changing them to be like us or no i any so jd o'brien the filmmaker Mm -hmm. made did you see his documentary out in the cold no it's really good he and a friend one winter went and spent a week on the streets of Minneapolis living with the homeless. Okay. And when he was doing a presentation about it, and I just saw a quote, I didn't see him presenting. I just saw a quote from it. And he said he wanted to go see what God was doing on the street. And there was a whole 
mind shift for me of it's not me bringing God to the street, bestowing mm-hmm. it upon the street. It's yeah. God is there. God is working. And how do I come along mm-hmm. side? Yeah. Which it sounds like that's what you're saying. Yeah. I don't like the idea of like we're bringing all this. Right. Yes. We're kind of coming alongside youth for for a year of their journey you know we're a small part of their journey but mm-hmm. what can we do in that year to transfer transfer them and and just really get them out of the survival mindset and like having to just mm-hmm. live each day trying to survive that's so exciting <laughs> i'm and i'm not at all disappointed from when kathy said like just gave me the little <laughs> tidbit i mm-hmm. i love what you're doing i think what you're doing is so important and I will for sure put all the information in the show Thank notes you. if somebody wants to support you or, mm-hmm. you know, are there other ways that that you have, you know, are there board needs or mm-hmm. other advisor kind of needs that you have moving forward? Um, so ways that people can support us is, yeah, donation, um, purchasing our coffee, kind of when you buy like one bag of coffee, it translates to paying for an hour of a youth's employment. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's all on your it's website. It's all online. You can, okay. you know, you can do one-time purchases. We also are going to be launching a subscription service soon, where you can just get coffee mailed to you bi-monthly oh, or weekly or however often mm-hmm. you go through coffee. <laughs> yeah. I don't judge. Um, and what's your? Just say your website, but I'll put it in. The yeah, it's too. just gutterpunkcoffee.com. Okay. So hopefully, pretty easy. Mm-hmm. Um, if you own a restaurant or a business or know people who do and would be interested in talking about wholesale accounts. Um, that is really something we're trying to push because not only does it help us employ youth on the packaging and warehouse side of things, but I mean, obviously wholesale accounts is a great way to generate income for us and kind of help us as we seek to hopefully become sustainable one day by our own coffee sales. Mm -hmm. Um, and we will be, hopefully we have a volunteer (laughs) coordinator and I'm trying to kind of together the pieces of what we could use volunteer help with because I haven't wanted okay. to bring anyone on before you were ready we were kind of ready for mm-hmm. that um so that's that's hopefully something that will be on the website within the next couple months okay. um as our structure with the board is kind of more formalized it's exciting yes. it's an exciting time for you <laughs> it is exciting <laughs> it's well, crazy but <laughs> yeah is well crazy to think of from the first inkling of, oh, I think I'd like to do this to see mm-hmm. where you are now today. Yeah. I have to look back sometimes because I get really like, I'm like, I just want a shop. I want three shops. Mm-hmm. I want to be further mm-hmm. down the line. Um, but if I pause to look back, it's like, all right, we've already been doing stuff. I mean, we've employed seven youth total since we started last summer. and Yeah. And just yeah. the ripple effect mm-hmm. of that too. Yeah. We're, it's growing. Mm-hmm. So... Well, that's exciting. Is there anything about Gutter Punk Coffee that we haven't talked about yet that you want to make sure we mention? Um, check us out online. Come visit us at the markets. Our youth are awesome. I love when people come meet them and mm-hmm. create relationships between people who may not usually mm-hmm. interact with the youth who's experiencing homelessness. So, yeah. So the podcast is called Retreat House Podcast. Mm-hmm. So I ask my guests two questions. The first one is, how do you retreat? Is it a place? Is it a practice? Especially mm-hmm. with all the work that you do. Mm-hmm. I mean, your work with Gutter Punk Coffee is hard and stretching. And, like, it's a business mm-hmm. and the social service side of it. 
But then also just being a social worker. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a lot of, it's a lot of emotional (laughs) energy. Yes. Um, How do I retreat? That's a good question. That's something I've been really weeding through the last couple of weeks because I really was starting to fall apart Mm -hmm. in August. I was just exhausted and the reason you know, I, yeah it's not sustainable mm-hmm. so for me i'm i'm really working towards carving out time to be active mm-hmm. um and it's it's hard when you are your own boss and, and you have your own business because there's always stuff to be done like mm-hmm. it doesn't really end at the office because the office is my kitchen table mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. um i mean i could be doing emails all night and, and there's the added pressure of the longer this takes, the longer you throw on the streets. Mm-hmm. And that's not something I want. Um, so for me, it's like a learning to, to be humble and know that, you know, things will continue without me being working all the time. Like I can step back and mm-hmm. the world's not going to fall apart. And <laughs> I think sometimes I take a lot of pride in my work and to a point where I'm like, ah, I can't go on vacation. What will people do without me? <laughs> it's, it's fine. Um, so really carving time to be active. I love biking. I'm a huge mm-hmm. biker um, and I mountain bike a lot. So making time to do that and I recently started rock climbing um, are kind of two things that it's just important for me to like be doing. Are life giving. Yes. Things. Like physically active things in nature mm-hmm. um, that just take my mind off of the constant thoughts of mm-hmm. our punk coffee. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, yeah. So for me, I've just been working harder at, scheduling in time to do that and not letting it get bumped mm-hmm. for other things. I think that's great. I so. recently had to put something, some things on my calendar mm-hmm. to schedule them. And I thought these are important enough to me mm-hmm. to schedule them. If I had, a, if I, you know, when we had this podcast today, this recording, mm-hmm. I put it on my calendar cause it was important. Yeah. 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 I think that's great. You kind of have to make it happen. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, yeah, there's always people who want to meet or things I could be doing and it's easy to be like, Oh, I'll do that tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And I bought a fat tire bike. So oh, did I'm you? I was going to bike ask. this winter. Yeah. <laughs> See how that goes. <laughs> so. uh, and then the other question I ask is if you were to use the hashtag celebrate weird to describe something about yourself, what would it be? Okay. Um, something that maybe is kind of weird about me that people routinely comment on is I actually only like to have dessert with breakfast. Oh. And um, <laughs> I've not heard that before. <laughs> that I think comes from my mom. I just remember like she used to, she was a big, she baked all the time and she'd be sometimes up late at night baking like cupcakes. And we would, we called it having a moment where we'd intentionally like wake up early to have coffee and a treat. Mm-hmm. And I just loved it. Like I like mornings. And so we'd get up, you know, before school and. Have a moment. Have our coffee. Have a moment. Eat a chocolate cupcake with mocha frosting. Uh, It was delicious. It was great. (laughs) And that is just a way I love starting my day with like a square of chocolate and coffee and just being quiet for a little bit before the day starts. Mm -hmm. Which also Um, sounds a little bit like retreat. So it is a retreat. Mm -hmm. Um, But the thing that maybe is annoying about it is I'm a nibbler. So I just will leave like a little half-eaten chocolate squares around the house. <laughs> and it makes my husband really annoyed. He's <laughs> like, why can't you just eat this and finish thing, it and right? throw it away? And it's just like, I've always done that and it's driven my family crazy for years. It's like, just little half-eaten chocolates around the house. Oh, that's funny. That works. So, but you know, it's how I am. <laughs> so, I celebrate it. 
That's something weird about me. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to tell mm-hmm. Gutterpunk's story and for the work that you're doing. And I'm I'm excited. I'm excited to see where Gutterpunk Coffee goes mm-hmm. from here. Thank you. Here too. Thank you for joining us today at the table. Any information mentioned in the show or things we talked about can be found in the show notes. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe. Or if you've already subscribed, please leave a review so that others can find us too. If you want to keep up on what's happening with Retreat House, you can find us on all the social medias at at Retreat House Podcast. If you want to keep up with what's happening with me, you can find me at at Angie Smith MN. We'll see you next week at the Retreat House Podcast. Thank you.